Here we go. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. On Caldonia's Crossroads Radio. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I got one hell of a show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Taz Crew. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Taz at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. And you can nominate your favorite artist for an Independent Blues Awards. In the meantime, I got some great new music that you're going to love and some great artists I know you're going to enjoy. And I'm worthy 
miles to go It may get rough There will be times You feel you had enough There will be times Where you wanna give up Gonna lift you up Where you feeling low
moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
Push past 
fragile peace and certain war. Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Now let's try it like this.
Seabirds are flying high, my life How many last cigarettes Do we have at the handsome jacks, my life The man who took me out Left me with a cheek from Stroud, my life
Well, I'll find some way to make it back to you. And if the earth were to swallow us all, well, I died knowing that my heart was true.
preceding program was recorded earlier so the producer and cast didn't have to walk home in the dark. Even now you let me down You're still so put out Don't talk too much of me Maybe I don't even want to your mouth you aim to turn around I know it ain't that way but anyway you said a wildfire you think it's cut its path but the wind just turns and laughs at you you tell me when I have nothing to say Me down, you're still so put out. Don't talk too much of me, maybe I don't even wanna know.
Real men don't dance, baby. Real men don't dance. Of the uh, 2012 release.
much. You better hit some too. When I tell you that I love you, you better tell me you love me too. Come on, come on, it's all right. Shake it, baby, shake it, baby. Whether you're an independent artist looking to take their career to the next level, or you're a fan that just loves to discover new artists and new original music, making a scene has exactly what you're looking for. For the indie artist, we have articles on music business, gear reviews, recording techniques, and interviews with industry professionals. For the fan, we introduce you to new artists every day with our in-depth artist interviews and insightful CD reviews. Nobody gives you more. Making a Scene truly is the number one resource for the indie artists and the fans that love them. Go to makingascene.org and become part of the indie revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Taz Crew. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. It's all been with a car. 
Don't let nobody keep you down Henry, don't you let nobody 
Taz Crew from his brand new release, and we got Taz on the line right now. Hey, Taz, how you been? I'm doing just fine and dandy as a man could possibly be. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Now, you've been on the show before, but we always like to give our fans this opportunity to get to know who you are, to get to know your journey up to this point. So give us the story of Taz Crew. Uh, I'm from upstate New York, or near the Syracuse area. Uh, I grew up there. Uh, I was uh, baptized into the blues before I even knew it. My uncle came back from the Korean War, and I was a tiny, tiny little kid. And I used to hang around with him a little bit, and he brought back with him from the war, amongst other things he brought back was a love for this new music that he discovered when he was in the army that was introduced to him. He was a big fan of Howlin' Wolf in particular, and I used to hang around with him, and he'd play these crazy records and uh, I'd never heard anywhere else before. I didn't really know what they were, I just liked hanging out with him. Well, that all came to light a couple of years, well, a few years later, I started playing in my kid bands, and in a band with a, a kid whose mommy and daddy played all the Sun Records stuff at the time, and I'm thinking, wow, I've heard that before. I didn't quite make the connection to the Wolf thing. Later on, as I grew a little wiser, I did. Then, of course, the British Blues stuff, too. I started. That's where I started to make the connection and understand where this was all coming from, and I've been looking back ever since. Oh. Pretty much it. I've okay. uh, been on the road a bit uh, over the years. People might know me from the International Blues Challenge where I posted a, a big jam there uh, uh, for about 12, 13 years now. And I've uh, 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 been around the block. Just got back from a uh, 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 little run into Germany. Uh, and with a new record, I've been uh, trying to get, get that new music out. So. Okay. Well, let's talk about this new release. Um when you were putting this one together, you know, every every artist has either a goal or a certain, um, how can I say, um, feel that they're looking to achieve with their releases. What was your goal for this one? Well, during the pandemic, I wasn't gigging a lot, obviously, and I was playing my acoustic guitar mostly. Uh, and I kind of fell in love with the instrument all over again and decided to do a whole album that was based around an acoustic kind of vibe sound. It's not really a totally acoustic album. I call it quasi-acoustic because it does have electric bass on there on a few songs. But it's basically acoustic instruments, and I wanted to have a real earthy, organic sound, so I kind of developed instrumentation that would uh, help you know, preserve that a little bit. Uh, I included uh, um, instruments like a, a, a mandolin a little bit, a, a dulcimer, and foremost, a fiddle. And I got uh, the very talented uh, artistry of uh, Ann Harris to play fiddle on this record, and uh, she brought it, uh, the needed vibe that I was looking for for this, this kind of record. Um, yeah, that was that was the plan. I just wanted to do something a little bit different. Matter of fact, it's very different than what I've done before, and uh, I'm glad that uh, that it came out that way. Okay. Now, uh, as a songwriter, you know every writer has their their way of tapping into the muse and 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 getting the juices flowing. What do you do when you sit down to start to write that 
that kind of gets things rolling? You know, I can finally explain that. I've been okay. asked that question many, many times, and it all came to light uh, during the first part of the pandemic when I was doing an online workshop for, for kids, high school kids that were aspiring songwriters, and I had to get my stuff together in order to explain that to them. It comes down to this. I approach songs from three different directions. Uh, a lot of people ask me, what comes first, the words or the music? Well, my stock answer is, well, sometimes it's one, sometimes the other. But actually, it comes in three ways. Sometimes it's simply just a melodic hook, an idea that I feel, that I hear on a guitar when I'm noodling around. I go, that's cool. See if I can build a song around that. Uh, the second way is a lyric, a lyric that comes into my uh, consciousness, usually from something I've read or something I've heard said, that I just find it's a little, it's a little off. It's a little, it's interesting. It's, it's uh, usually it's a, it's a uh, um, something approaches almost approaches a parable or a, or a life lesson. Um, and uh, the other way, of course, is a concept. A concept. If I have an idea that I'm something I want to write about, something that I'm concerned or about or I'm joyful about or experiencing some kind of strong emotion towards it, I'll, I'll take that idea and flesh that out and build a song around it. So either of those three can be the starting point. I'm finding, in fact, today, I'm working on a whole new album now, and I'm writing songs for an album that I'm calling Riffin' and Blues. These are songs that are all based on a melodic riff. That's they start. So I've got the riffs. Now I'm trying to create the lyrics and the concepts to back them up and to create a song. And it's really hard. It's really hard. You, you've got these great hooks, but what do they say? What do they mean? And to do it that way, I find that, uh, that that's, that's, that's difficult. But some of the best songs that I've that I've uh, heard, and some of my better songs that started that way on the last album, there was a song uh, that was played an awful lot called That Lovin' Thing that was started with a, 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 a guitar hook. Um, on this album, Broke Down and Busted Up, um, that's, a, there's, that's another song, the title cut, Broke Down and Busted Up, started off with a particular uh, melodic hook. But almost at the same time, the idea for that came from the photographer who was taking pictures of me for, on that, for that album cover. I hadn't named it yet, and we're down, if you've seen the album cover, I'm pictured uh, by this old wreck of a, of a car. With, it's had shotgun holes through the windshield and everything, and the woman said to me, the photographer, she says, you know, this is a good match for you, because just like that car, you kind of look all broke down and busted <laughs> off. And I said, oh my goodness said there we go so uh, the lyric came to me at the same almost the same at the same time so so it's one of three ways so, so concept lyric or a melody they could they could each be the starting point okay now you know as a songwriter you know a lot of songwriters have have embraced technology as tools in their writing, whether it's their cell phone to capture ideas or home recording studio, what are some of the tools you use as a songwriter? Well, obviously, I, I use a, I use I use a cell phone. I find it much easier than what I used to do before cell phones. Would I used to call my home um, <laughs> and let the answering machine pick up, and then I would hum the 
the the, the, the melody idea or the, or the or speak the lyric into the into the voice recording so I'd have it. But no, I use my cell phone for that kind of thing. Now, once I get the the idea or the melodic hook into the cell phone, then what I do is I develop that even more, and then I record it uh, on on the computer. Uh, and uh, preserve it that way, and then uh, use that as, you know, go back to and keep refining that as I go and re-recording it until I get to the point where I can share that with uh, other musicians that I, that I might want to add to creating that song, and we go from there. All right. Now, you know, every song has to have that moment where you stop the writing process, or at least enough to bring it into production, where, it you know, it further evolves as you go through. You know, a song never really is finished. It's always evolving. But what do you do to determine that moment where you move that song from the the writing phase into the production phase? Uh, it's when I have laid the uh, uh, laid down the song with um, um, a, a solid rhythm and, and bass track. Um, and have a vocal that, with a, that I think is uh, probably 95% lyrically what I want it to be. Uh, from then on, I don't really look back. Sometimes I will when we get into the mixing phase and maybe do something a little bit different with the arrangement. But the song is done. But the arrangement may not quite be done. So that's a little different. Okay. Now, let's talk about going into the studio, and you're very well-versed in, in working in that environment. And, you know, having a good song gives you something to say. But going into the studio creates the voice. It creates the identity of not only the song, but of you as an artist or even the project itself. What do you do when you get into the studio that allows you to capture your sound? Um... Well, what I do is I go into the attitude that um, uh, the studio is like a, 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 I approach it more like a painter's studio. It's a place to create. I'm not afraid to create in the studio. Uh, what I have in mind when I go into the studio may not be what actually comes out of that. Of course, I try to incorporate other musicians' ideas um, because I might have a, 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 an idea that I think is a good idea, but I might find that there's a better idea just, just by the process itself, uh, virtue of the process itself. So being open-minded is, is the, uh, the most important thing. And also, uh, I have a very good relationship, working relationship with the engineer, and uh, I... I I ask for him to do more than just engineer my records. I ask for his opinion. He knows what I'm capable of. He knows when I'm going down a rabbit hole. And uh, we've gotten to the point that uh, he's not afraid to tell me. And I, I look for that and count on that support. So those are really non-technical things. If you want to talk about technical things, we can get into that too. But well, those yeah. are the most important things to me. When you when you go into the studio, I mean, of, of course, do you like to do it live from the floor? Do you like to track it? What what is your, you know, that that getting that sound kind of thing when you get in there? Well, it's both. It's both of those things. Uh, sometimes it's tracking it live from the floor. Uh, uh, sometimes it's uh, you're building it in uh, in layers. 
Um, but it always starts with the foundation elements of the song, the, 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 the drums and the bass, um, the, uh, what I call the, if it's sometimes I, if it's just a single guitar song, then I'll track that at that time. If it's a uh, song that's going to have more than one uh, on it, then it's uh, more than that. I got a drum pad. Okay. Excuse me. I'm, I'm in the middle of an interview right now. I'm talking to someone right now. I got a drum pad. Huh? I got a drum pad at home. Oh. I'm trying to tell. Okay. Um, <laughs> hang, hang on just a minute. Someone's okay. talking to me. Okay. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but did you get that? What was that that was being said to me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I had no idea. She's, I thought she said she had a drum set up. Oh, okay. Well, anyhow. Bye. Um, so, anyhow. Okay. Where were we? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm uh, we were talking about tracking. Yes. Right? Um, but I always, I get the, uh, the bass and the drums and the, uh, uh, usually, you know, the, 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 the guitar, at least the basic guitar. And then I always add an energy instrument in there, uh, whatever the, the other the other piece that is going to be like the, uh, a, a big part of the recording. Sometimes it might be the piano, it might be an organ, it might be the harmonica. I always make the, make sure that they're recording at the same time. Not that I'm going to keep those tracks, but I need to have the energy there so that the bass and the drums uh, play th- that with that that energy to get that feel. Right, right. At least, that, at least that creates that. If I'm not tracking the whole song at once with the full band, sometimes, sometimes I do that, depending upon the song. Now, tell me a little bit about the lineup on this. Who's playing on it? Well, uh, I have uh, a drummer that's played on um, most of my uh, previous records, within the, at least within the last uh, seven years. His name is Andy Hearn. He's an excellent, excellent drummer. Uh, bass player, I have two bass players. I have an electric bass player, who, Bob Purdy, who's played on every of uh, my most recent albums. Uh, but I also have acoustic bass uh, from Mike Lawrence, whom I worked with several years ago. Um, piano, I have Dave Liddy on piano. Uh, I chose him particularly for this project because he tends to play uh, very thoughtful uh, Pieces, pieces, his parts, rather than just improvising all the time, which is fine, but not for this record. Um, let's see, who am I looking at? Jerry Loacano, a great slide player. I like him. He, he's played some with me on the road. Um, and then the, the, the two uh, frostings, icings on the cake. One is Marianne Cassell, a longtime friend and collaborator. Helps me with vocal arrangements. Uh, has penned a few songs on this record. And um, is a great, got a great, beautiful voice, and uh, she lends her vocals to that. And and uh, Ann Harris, the uh, um, the uh, very talented uh, um, uh, Chicago-based um, fiddle and violinist that seems to play with with a lot of folks these days, and everybody wants her because she's very uh, very talented and. And easy to work with, and a lot of fun to be around, and I uh, was uh, glad to have her uh, part of this project. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've actually interviewed Ann, and she is a sweetheart. Definitely yeah. uh, fun to talk to, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Now, let's talk a little bit um, about getting it out there um, and getting it to radio and that. And you're working with Michelle Castiglia, uh, Albert's wife. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Well, I came to her uh, fold, uh, guided there by my friend Rick Lusher, who I've worked with on the past few albums, who's done a fine, fine job, who is a... uh, uh, a real truth teller. He tells you how it is. <laughs> that he does. As we all know. Uh, he is unique in that he really doesn't have um, you know any uh, anything that he's or anyone that he's beholden to. He does this for the love of what he does uh, as a music and artist. He wants to help, and Michelle was cut of the same cloth. And uh, it was an easy transition when Rick uh, said he was going fishing, which he doesn't fish. Um, <laughs> he retired out. And uh, if he says Michelle's uh, a good people and trustworthy, I've only met her a couple of times, then I believe it too. And he's absolutely right. She's done a wonderful job. Yeah, well, Rick followed me down here to Georgia, and uh, mm-hmm. he lives about uh, about three miles from me. And uh-huh. uh he yeah he's fishing he's he's fishing with his grandchildren he's that that is where he's spending his time now. Good for he, him. He is enjoying his his downtime. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the business. Um, we both know, and you've been in the business a long time. That we're now faced with a, a dilemma that the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product. You know, we all go into these studios, we spend, you know, thousands of dollars to record, you know, these projects. Of course, now we got to hire the publicist and the radio person and so on. It's not a cheap endeavor. And now we're finding that what our, our result of our labors no longer has uh, an economic um, base to it. There's no return on investment. Not that there was a huge one before. How has this shift in the perception of the consumer affected you as an artist? Well, I, it may be that it's affecting me differently than some people, primarily because of the fact that um, I'm, I am a songwriter primarily, and I've written a lot of songs, and I have longevity in, in the business. And uh, I'm finally to a, to a point where... Um, my songwriting is beginning to generate revenue uh, other than what I can generate by selling CDs at shows. Uh, And uh, that's a blessing. Uh, It's a hard row, and uh, it takes um, working with someone who understands how that that works and how to make sure that, that your uh, revenues revenues are not being manipulated, not maliciously. Don't get me wrong; it's not it's not about that. It's just it can be manipulated by um, well, not illegal things. But if the artist doesn't know, you know, wait to, wait till he finds out and then turn it over to him. We'll leave it at that. You know, there's some of these some of these um, streaming sources um, for your music will. Um, kind of hold things close to their best until you discover that that maybe it's time that you told them they need to let a few things go. And I've been able to uh, to 
to get at some of those things with the help of uh, a couple of professionals. Um, uh, so, so, so business-wise, there's that's going okay. Actually, it's moving forward. And then there's sync licensing, which is happening. I've I've learned to monetize my YouTube channel. I've learned to you know to do all these little 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 things that when they all come together, they they really do help. Uh, certainly, I missed the, the loss of revenue from uh, from from touring and selling merchandise at shows. That's starting to come back, but. Um, it's really not been all that bad. Um, I also want to say that what's maybe different for me than from others is my goal has always been write songs, get the music out there in the hopes that it would open up opportunities for me to perform in better venues. What I mean by that venues where people are there to hear the music um, and to be able to hire the musicians that I feel can play competently my music and then and enjoy the fruits of that as a, as, as a musician. That's what this has always, always been about. It's never been about getting rich or you know, making money or in some cases even making ends meet, uh, though that seems to be coming a little bit easier. Okay. So, yeah, that's where I stand on that. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because before the pandemic, um, you know, live music had its issues, you know. I mean, you've done a lot of those gigs. Um, but once the pandemic hit, a lot of these artists started to really gravitate towards the Internet. They started with live streaming, then they started working their social media and what has happened is it's kind of accelerated the the next phase of streaming. Um, we're looking at a world where um, we're moving more towards content creation and branding, where that's become a, a really important aspect of being an independent artist, uh, connecting with the fans, you know, at a at a kind of pseudo personal level you know because when you're doing a live stream they can see that you know that's his living room or that's the bedroom they're in or whatever the case may be or you know hey that's the motel they're sleeping at this week you know whatever it is um you know and then some of them you know the bigger artists are really capitalizing on things like tiktok where um you have like tim mcgraw is going up and and finding people that are doing covers of his songs and and commenting on them and telling them how you know great their voice is or whatever you know all the way to david grohl doing you know uh, drum battles with an 11 year old girl drummer and then bringing her on stage at a foo fighters concert um what what do you see as this this whole world of content creation how does that fit into your world at this point well i've watched it evolve over the pandemic as well and of course like many I became more and more involved in it um, I waited to see how how it was going before I really got too deep into it and I'm not into it as deeply as the artist that you've just mentioned for sure I'm not really sure that I want to but I waited because I saw and I still see a lot of clutter a lot of, a lot of traffic a lot of videos being put up, 
sometimes by well-meaning fans, sometimes by artists themselves, that they may show an intimate side of the artist, but they're not necessarily showing the artist in their best performing light. I've uh, tried to avoid those things as much as possible, and I've only put out streaming videos that have been recorded and produced in what I consider reasonably professional environments. Um, and um, again, why did I do it? Well, I did get some income out of it, but not a lot. But again, to get the music out there in the hopes that when the pandemic is over, people say, a festival might say, hey, I saw that guy's live thing. And, you know, I think I might want to bring that to our festival. That's really the main reason that I've done it. Right. Um, it's like getting my other music out there. That's, I look at it in the same in the same vein. If it makes a little money for me, great. Uh, if it costs me a little money to make it, hey, it's a, it's it's advertising, and if that advertising somehow indirectly that and yeah, that's usually how it works. That I don't know how it happened, but that brings me to a stage that I've not been on before or a venue that I've not been on before then it's, it's well worth it. Plus, it, if it's in a professional environment, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And that's, that's a big reason why I do it. It's fun. Well, that it is. And, you know, um, you know, like we like I said earlier, you know, that live music had its issues before the pandemic. And, um, you know, because, you know, you would go to these gigs and, you know, I know you, you've had them as well as anyone, any musician where you go into the club and there's, you know, maybe 10 people there and eight of them are blood relatives. You know, the, you know, those gigs. <laughs> and and um, so we really needed to kind of refresh that fan base to get because we have several generations that really did not or do not have a frame of reference to going to a small venue and watching music being created in the moment, that experience of hearing that excitement of musicians bearing their souls and, and creating something that will not exist when that night is over. You know what I mean? It, it is a fleeting thing. Well, yeah. Uh, and I don't, I'm not so sure that, that that's ever going to come about for certain generations because they're not used to doing it before the pandemic. But it is my hope that at least for my demographic, uh, that while I'm still doing it, um, that they'll, you know, you know, like Joni Mitchell said, you know, you don't always seem to go. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Maybe that'll uh, excite some people to get them to be enthusiastic. I was at the North Atlantic Blues Festival this summer right when things were starting people started to feel okay and oh my god what a feeling uh, in that the whole vibe everyone it was everyone was just so so uh lifted by that experience i said to my friend paul betjeman i said you are making an awful lot of people happy here this weekend an awful lot of people happy by by doing this he goes, well, that's what we always try to do. And they said, this year it's probably a little easier. Everybody <laughs> wants to be happy. I, I, I want people, I want music fans to come out. I want us to get in the clubs and I want us to live like, like they did back in the lower 20s again. Let's do it, you know? Yeah, Let's well. Show. Let's do it. Well, remember, um, we had the Spanish flu pandemic just before the roaring 20s. and that, that's, that's, why, that's why I make that reference. You're right. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. I, it's been always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. Hey, and, thanks uh, a lot. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. You guys out there, you may just want to turn it up loud and say, you know what? Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. All right. With rage swirling at my feet
can't take it now
looking to take their career to the next level or you're a fan that just loves to discover new artists and new original music making a scene has exactly what you're looking for for the indie artist we have articles on music business gear reviews recording techniques and interviews with industry professionals for the fan we introduce you to new artists every day with our in-depth artist interviews and insightful CD reviews. Nobody gives you more. Making a Scene truly is the number one resource for the indie artists and the fans that love them. Go to makingascene.org and become part of the indie revolution.
I'm singing this song for the last time. Said I just got the news. Well, well. That another mule, another mule, babe, been kicking in my stall. How could this be? You're taking my heart from me, and you're being untrue. Now I'm standing here, standing here, babe, singing the
started off like any other day. But maybe that's what worried me the most. 6.58 a.m., March 19. Everything was quiet. Maybe a little too quiet. shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice.
Telephone and say how to do I've got a pocket full of money And I don't know what to do I'd like to take you out And treat you nice I'm on a one night stand I'd have you home in a trice But you said more If only I wasn't a Take a rain check till then We could go and see a movie We could go and see a flick We could make out on the backseat Like we wanted to be quick But you should move If only I wasn't a dog Chocolate too I tried the cheese and biscuit combo But there's no getting through I was going to give it up But then the twinkle in your eye So try it again You just might be surprised And then you said Whoa If only I wasn't a dog This is something good. I got an indie blues double shot for you right now. Check this artist out.
You no longer have to hear the blues in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood.
he was hit by a truck and you were lying out in that gutter dying and you had time to sing one song. Huh? One song.
I guess there just aren't enough rocks. Ever since August 2017 I got this awful disorder it keeps me up all night till the morning sun is seen And it stays by my pillow I've got this insomnia blues I'm as tired as one can be 
got no use for the bed What's the use for the blanket This old mattress of mine Doesn't let me to forget When you haunted by memory That you can't rewind I'm telling you people I'll tell you why This is no fun Walk and talk Every day with sleepy eyes By the afternoon You know I can't think Straight no more Since the day is gone
Cause we're in love For 20 long years we've been together, baby And you've always had my back Each other was all that we had
pick up your telephone I'll come running to you, baby The next time you're feeling lonely And you're sitting home all alone The next time, the next time you're feeling lonely, baby And you're sitting home all alone
slow dance with Joni Mitchell Made castles in the sand Cried when I lost my mother Got sober with slow hand Left Pennsylvania after high school Harpwood Sugar and Elwood Blues Didn't see eye to eye with my father If you want to know the truth I slow dance with Joni Mitchell Drank whiskey with Bill Murray Turn my back on the termination Had to leave Scranton In a hurry Packed up my dreams and went to L.A. Got last with Cal Burnett Cheated on my girlfriend There's some things that I regret I slow danced with Joni Mitchell Went toe-to-toe with Mark Rode the canyons with the angels Wrote the word Live from New York With Hunter S. Thompson I traveled coast to coast I was present when my mother died She's the one I miss the most Yeah, I slow dance with Joni Mitchell Brothers and a sister. Well, that's enough about me. We played hard and the night went long. I was covered in sweat and my voice was gone. I'm waiting for my money at the end of the night. 